Hey team, welcome back to another episode of the Epic Tale Podcast. And just to recap last week's episode, we had Professor Paul Franks on, who is a researcher. He's also a former athlete, but he is someone who's involved with many papers, particularly in this area about lifestyle, obesity, and diabetes. Uh, he's done a lot of research in that. So it was a really good episode to get him on, understand the foundations of uh, you know research in general. But what was really cool was he laid reference to a paper that was coming out with respect to sleep, and it has been released today, in fact. And I get to talk to you about that study itself. It was done in collaboration with Zoe, one of the wonderful partners I have, which I'll talk to you about in a second. But I'm excited in today's episode to really break that down for you. Before we go into that, quick little recap on the week that was. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Friendsgiving to those of you who are not celebrating Thanksgiving per se, but like having people around the table and making a big feast. Uh, I cooked a lot of food last week. It was awesome. But yes, thank you for everyone who reached out and I hope you all had the time to really reflect and have a bit of downtime. This year has been hectic as always. Uh, but it was really cool just to kind of chill. We also had some really big production runs last week with the Epic Table. So uh, lots going on there. We did a really cool shoot with Breville, good shoot with Centre, and we're coming into the end of the year as brands and partnerships are looking to help people kickstart their year in 2022 in a healthy, possible way. Earlier this week, team, I made a little announcement that I'll be going completely plant-based for 10 weeks. I'm doing this to help people be inspired to realize they can put on lean muscle on a plant-based diet. I've been plant-forward for so long. I think you guys know that my message is about how I can help you guys eat more plants for health reasons, for tasty reasons, for planet reasons. Uh, but yeah, like I've, uh, I've never been completely plant-based, at least not for 10 weeks. So I'm going to do it. I'm also going to do it whilst doing a center power program. So I'm going to be doing the power program that we did at center. So that's the resistant format I'm going to be following. As I do that, I'll be also showing a, an episodic series on how to be plant-based and build lean muscle on my YouTube channel. So if you want to go check that out, head over to uh, YouTube, go to Dan Churchill in the search bar and you can click the subscription there. You'll follow episodic content where I'll break down the types of food we're having, my methodology behind it, additional nutrients I'm getting in as a result of being plant-based. That wouldn't be if I was maintaining my omnivorous ways. Um, you know, key numbers to look for and things that may be a deficiency that you uh, previously may be getting. So we're going to cover all that. Also, I'm also going to make sure that with this series, it's going to be very lifestyle focused. And what I mean by that is I'm not going to be like a someone who's going to the gym, eating, and that's it. I still, I live in New York City. I love hanging out with my mates. I love putting dinners together. So, you know, I don't drink a lot anyway, but if I was going out and having a red wine or whatever, make sure people know that I'm going out to dinner. I'm having fun. I'm not going to make this all about getting to a certain percentage with sacrificing the enjoyment that I get from, um, you know, out being out in social. So, Part of this, whilst the majority of this concept and this project is about teaching people how to be plant-based for 10 weeks and build lean muscle, I'm also going to be doing it in a way that makes it really relatable so that obviously we all have exciting things to hit up on the weekend that we don't feel we have to leave those out. Because that's a big part of what I'm always trying to help you guys with is not to restrict you from doing anything, it's to help you be inspired to find ways to include it at all effectively. So um, really excited about that. As I said, if you want to follow the YouTube series along, head to Dan Churchill on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Um, and if you haven't already, you can pick up a lot of the recipes that we do, more tips and things on that channel too. So head over to that one for sure. One of the ways I'll be tracking everything will actually be with my partner, Zoe. So as I said, this 
sleep study that Professor Paul Franks and uh, amongst others carried out was within collaboration with this wonderful company. If you don't know Zoe, if you have never heard of Zoe, Zoe is a personalized nutrition program. And effectively what we do is you send out three testing kits. One, we send out one for your stool sample, so for your gut microbiome testing. We do it also for your blood glucose and your blood fat responses. And with that, we take those three tests and we're able to decipher what you are firstly uh, efficient in, what you have, and then what you're deficient in and what we need to improve on. And if we take you know, the gut health aspect, for example, which we describe as good bugs and bad bugs, the good bugs, obviously the good, wonderful microbiome we have versus the bad ones, we can actually look at the high percentage of, say, bad bugs and attribute those to certain characteristics that may be leading to symptoms or causes of uh, you know, issues with your health. So what we then do is we like, okay, well, in order to get rid of those bad bugs, we have to feed you certain foods that you may be deficient in, and that's really exciting. So we can finally objectively help you guys to eat the foods that you know are right for you. And that's what you know, Zoe is so awesome for. So aside from that, this study, which we continue to do, and, and Zoe is a, a company is actually in charge of the largest nutritional study in the world. It's continuing to go. So that's what we're doing. And this study um, around sleep is a big part of that because the whole sleep study was actually built upon, and we'll go into it in a second, the, how your sleep affects your, affects your, blood glucose, uh, your, your blood glucose responses. So it's really, really exciting. So we'll go into that in a second, but if you want to be looking to start your year 2022 with the right understanding of what's good for you, head to joinzoe.com and use the code DAN10 where you can learn more about yourself through objective means. Yes, I'm a big fan of saying listen to your gut when it comes to eating the right foods, but if you're going, I really want to know what foods are right for me, I also want to know what foods are not right for me, head to joinzoe.com, use Dan10, and you'll get shipped out uh, an awesome little kit. I've done it. I'm continuing to do it. And so from that, I'm also then tracking everything I'm going to be eating, which I'm going to be showing you on this series, which is really, really exciting. So um, I'm not a big tracker, but if you're starting out any plan, which I'm about to explain to you in this episodic series, it's so cool that you can understand, okay, so I'm getting in chia seeds, I'm getting in hemp seeds. What does that account for? I know that's the amount of dietary fiber I need or omega-3s. So what is that percentage of RDI, recommended daily intake that I need? So you've got all that lined up. And then also lets you know what your score is on your plant day. So you have this plant power score, right? Which is really cool. You know, I'm trying to help you guys eat more plants. So at the end of the day, you go, my plant power score was say, 70, cool. How do I get to 80? This is what the uh, suggestions would be. And this is what's specific for you, Dan, based on the information we provided. So, all right, I'll, I'll stop talking about Zoe. I'm just going to be excited. But as I said, if you're looking to start your year in 2022, let's hit up Zoe, uh, joinzoe.com and use Dan10. And on top of that, team, another way to help yourself get off the right framework is using Athletic Greens. You guys know I've loved these guys for many years, um, six years now, which is really, really cool. Uh, if you wish to get the healthy habits on track and get those good microbiomes going. You know, I have a really good gut microbiome score based on my test. Not one to brag, but a big part of that would be obviously eating more plants and also having athletic greens in my day. So if you want to have a healthy start to your year, getting all things systems going, head to athleticgreens.com forward slash epic and you will get the travel pack, the monthly subscription and the free vitamin D3 for a year. Remember, 
Right now, wintertime in the Northern Hemisphere, super important to get in your vitamin D3 if you're not getting adequate from the sun and making sure it is the right D3. We, we definitely recommend 1,000 uh, international units is the best way to do it per day and one little drop of that uh, in your AG in the morning is awesome and that comes free if you use that code, which is athleticgreens.com forward slash epic. Okay, all right. So let's get into this awesome episode. So as I said, team, today's episode is all about this epic study. Now, this study itself is phenomenal. We found out something pretty incredible. The study itself is about the impact of insufficient sleep on dysregulated blood glucose control under standardized meal conditions. Oh, love sounding like a scientist. It's pretty cool. So Paul Franks and his team put this together. Now, to put this in perspective, we obviously talked about sleep a lot on this show. Sleep has been so apparent. Sleep has been something we can concentrate on given the amount of time we now have either working from home or just we've got technology that allows us to kind of reflect objectively, whether it be a Whoop or even an Apple Watch, whatever it is. So really excited to talk to you about this study that we found um, really demonstrated something we kind of knew, but now objectively know for sure. So we know that sleep, along with diet and exercise, are pretty fundamental to our metabolic homeostatic environment, keeping our body in an equilibrium state. And there's been a lot of things around this aspect of food and sleep and interventions that play a role in either affecting or positively or negatively affecting based on what we're eating. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to test whether an individual's sleep quality, duration, and timing will impact, uh, they actually impact your glycemic responses to, say, a breakfast meal uh, the following morning. So if we were getting insufficient quality, duration, um, had an impact on our ability to actually absorb or respond to glucose intake um, in the morning following um, said sleep. So that was the whole point of this study. And typically what happened was participants in a controlled environment over two weeks in a clinical uh, clinical conditions at home were wearing a continuous glucose monitor. So what happened was they had one of those things where you plug into your arm and it recorded data. You would eat and it would have a look at your glucose um, and what would happen to the blood glucose levels. Would it go up and stay up or would it drop? And so that's what a CGM actually is. And it's really cool. Typically, this has been something that's been utilized for those who are either pre-diabetic or diabetic for years. And it helps them understand how much uh, insulin they have to put into their, their, their system. Um, and so it's a really good understanding of what's going on. Now, we're seeing this used by no longer just people who are diabetic or pre-diabetic. Like for myself and Zoe, Zoe now has a, uh, as one of their markers or one of their way of testing is they give you a CGM that you record data for two weeks. But people now have method, methods in general, they just want to continue to monitor their glucose and they don't necessarily uh, have any signs of being diabetic. They're just interested to have a look. And that's what we're seeing now as we look at, as I said, like now that we get more wearable technology, people are becoming enamored with it, which is really, really cool. Anyway, so the study itself, we we looked at the glucose uh, responses over two weeks, giving um, these type of variations in meals, right? So participants were to wear an accelerometer, which is actually, and when I say this, just to make it clear, uh, these were fitted by professionals. So they were hand on the non-dominant hand, uh, worn on the non-dominant hand of the wrist, um, and they would uh, obviously assess movements, um, you know, those kind of things that take place during your sleep. The meals themselves, well, this was pretty cool. It's obviously like very interesting to me. So individuals were either, you know, they'd consume them for breakfast or lunch, 
And they consisted of eight different um, meals themselves, so eight different types of meals. So for example, we had things like high carb, high fiber, medium fat and carb, high fat, uh, metabolic challenge meal, high protein, high fat as well. So like there was a lot of variation there. When I say high fat, there's different um, ones. We had one like high fat was like 35 grams. Other one was like 40 plus. And that was a good way to kind of measure just variability of the meals themselves with respect to um, the, uh, the, you know, obviously having control against that as well, which is really, really cool. So what was uh, an interesting method here was that participants – they were only asked to consume uh, their breakfast. They only had no less than eight hours of fasting and to drink only still water during the fasting period. So we actually got them to fast as well um, and they would actually consume nothing, um, no less than eight hours of fasting or drinking that time as well. So just water only. So with all this being said, the actual sleep as well, the things that we were assessing were the sleep duration. We looked at sleep efficiency. So the ratio of, say, time asleep, versus time of, uh, amount of actually time in bed. And then sleep midpoint. Now, sleep midpoint is where essentially it's the middle time between, say, your bedtime, like getting into bed and the waking. So, um, you know, I think it was the midpoint as well, hence, hence why we have sleep midpoint. Now, other things to, incl- uh, to include was if there was like an outlier, so like if someone had less than two hours of night asleep a night or greater than 15 hours of sleep, um, we didn't include, uh, like that was kind of removed as an entry because um, we thought it was invalid sleep data. Just want to make sure that, that was clear as well because those things can happen in studies. So that was really, really interesting. We're going to come back to those three factors in a second, but it's really important to, to note that midpoint one just for a second because the sleep midpoint, obviously if you're someone who is going to bed later and waking up later, your midpoint's going to be later in, well, yeah, early or later in the morning, depending when you think about it. But we have talked about the importance of our circadian rhythm with respect to um, waking up at the right time uh, to optimize metabolic systemization. And what I mean by this is when it comes to our, say, uh, REM and slow wave sleep, they are optimized at certain periods of our sleep, so time-wise. So one's earlier in the, in the sleep cycle, one's later in the sleep cycle. But if you're waking up later, it may, af- uh, it may affect the ability to get the earlier optimized uh, yeah, sleep going, which is the slow-wave sleep, for example, which is affected. But if you're someone who goes to bed early and wakes up super early, you may affect your REM, which obviously they both play a part in your ability to function. You know, REM's known for the creativity, uh, whereas slow wave is for me- uh, memory. And so there's many other things obviously they're important for, but that's why midpoint's pretty important too. And also with respect to this study in glucose, um, we did find some pretty interesting findings with respect to that as well, So, which we're about to touch on. So with all this being said, as I said, just a quick recap, we were testing sleep efficiency, sleep duration, and sleep midpoint, and we looked at those factors. We used controlled... Uh, standardized meals, which had a variety of different, um, you know, makeup, whether it be high fiber, high fat, et cetera, et cetera. And we found some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> Drum roll, please. So as this was specifically to glucose, um, glucose assessment, if you will, using a CGM, it was concluded that using this method and understanding it, that although we know that sleep is really important pillar to our health. Not getting adequate sleep and particularly the factors of duration, the midpoint and your efficiency 
all play a role in having an impact on our ability to metabolize glucose. Let's speak specifically for a second. So poor sleep efficiency and later bedtime routines are associated with more pronounced postprandial glycemic responses to breakfast the following morning. That was verbatim from the conclusion. So effectively, as a person's deviation from their usual sleep pattern um, you know, takes place, so your typical ability or typical routine or the amount of hours you're typically getting, is more associated with poor you know, ability to um, have glycemic control in the morning when you eat something, right? So it essentially tells you the importance of sleep and making sure you modify it to consume the right things as well the next day. Right, so midpoint's important, duration's important, um, and obviously your efficiency is important. So we've talked about the importance of sleep, but now we know objectively that your glucose is not handled as well if you eat something in the morning if you had a poorer sleep. Now, there's a really good image um, or graph design for this that I can't actually show you right now, but I'll, I'll try my best to demonstrate. I'm actually to put it on my Instagram as well. But effectively, you have that typical way where glucose comes into the system uh, or glycogen is used and insulin spikes. When glucose is in the blood and spikes and obviously insulin's there, insulin will make sure it gets into the muscle and does its job. So if you can handle glucose really well, your um, the level of glucose in the blood will drop right? pretty quickly. Okay, So it would be like a, essentially an upside down U or a mountain. It would look like a mountain. right? F- they found that for someone who had, say, four hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep, that glucose response will be higher and a little bit longer too. So you're going to spike yourself for longer and you have further work for your body to bring it back down again. So if you simply did not get enough sleep and you had something the next day that's a solid carbohydrate content, you're actually putting more strain on your body as you're not able to you know, metabolize the glucose as efficiently. So get more sleep, <laughs> right? That's the most important thing. Let's make sure that happens. Secondly, that midpoint aspect is pretty interesting, right? So if you go to bed later, it's also not going to be as efficient. Here are some key takeaways from this study. So what does it typically mean for your health? So choosing a nutritious breakfast after a poor night's sleep can minimize the impact on your blood sugar. So obviously, Having a nutritious breakfast is important and doing so after particularly a poor night's sleep. So if you're someone who's had a really bad sleep, quick sleep, and you go choose a high sugar uh, drink, beverage, food, you're really, you know, really making a big issue <laughs> internally. All right. Another thing, if you go to bed late, you're sleeping in, it may not actually help your blood sugar response. That's interesting. That was a key takeaway again. So that's where the midpoint was important, right? Learning about where the midpoint is in, with respect to the time of day. And a lot of that's to do with the circadian rhythm, all right? That's the thing we've talked about before. We've had Dr. Stephen Lockley on. Um, but obviously your body's in a typical rhythm, a daily 24-hour clock, your body, your mind, everything. So if you adapt, or sorry, if you change, not adapt, if you alter what you're typically used to, your body's time, it's like, I'm used to doing this right now, but I'm having to do it like three or four hours later. It's not going to be as efficient. Something else to take away. Going to bed earlier is a totally free way to improve your blood sugar responses the next day. Wow. It's free. That's huge. Love it. <laughs> uh, we also said, we, like, great way to summate all this, poor sleep quality and later bedtime routines. So if you had essentially a later bedtime routine, you're going to have um, a relationship with poor sleep quality. Uh, and that, that's kind of, I guess it's kind of obvious, but if you're doing something late at night, whether it be playing video games, watching too much TV, or um, just 
you know, maybe unfortunately you're a shift worker, you're going to have a poor sleep, right? All this leads to raised blood sugar levels, which uh, effectively makes, um, you know, worse in the morning. And if you have that again, we too typically see those who have a poor sleep routine make poor choices with their food as well. So it just comes full circle. It's a pretty, pretty tough one. So we want to make sure that you guys understand this uh, this assessment. So sleep timing and quality were assessed using ActiveGree. So it was pretty, really cool using an accelerometer. Breakfasts of varying macronutrient consumption were consumed. And during breakfast, blood glucose levels were assessed using that CGM I was telling you about. Um, the study numbers. So there was, a, there was over 900 participants. So 953 specifically and over 320,000 hours of sleep was assessed. Uh, there was more, almost two million. Well, there was one point seven five million glucose measurements, um, and greater than eight thousand standardized breakfast meals as well. So there's a lot, a lot of numbers, a lot of numbers. So obviously, we talk about diet and exercise with response to with, with respect to um, our lifestyle factors, particularly balancing out our glucose levels. Now we know that sleep is also a key pillar in balancing out our blood glucose levels in order to make sure the other two as well maintain their, their core beliefs. So, um, and as I said, your blood sugar level should be much lower even at peak with better sleep compared to if you had poorer sleep, it would have a higher peak and stay up for longer worse, as a result of a poorer sleep. So, Sleep essentially is the ultimate meta- metabolism hack. All right, so if you if you're looking to look after your metabolism, sleep is the ultimate hack in order to do so. So huge study, big shout out to our uh, our man Professor Paul Franks and his team for putting this one together. I like I, I think there's the obvious side that we know, like on the generic stage, that good sleep is important. Now we know, in order to look after our metabolism. We objectively now know that sleep is vital, right? Getting enough sleep, getting efficient sleep, and making sure we're going to bed early enough, right? That's where all these three factors are taken into account. Irrespective of like, you know, we had these, we had these standardized meals. We know all that. Um, there's more work to be done in this area, but at least those who are interested or maybe can relate to this, it's like having that meal in the morning whether it be high sugar or not, or high carbohydrate, I should say, it is important to get the good night's sleep the night before in order for you to metabolize it efficiently. Right? There's nothing worse than, uh, you know, maybe maybe one morning you have an oatmeal, the next day you get poor sleep and you have the same oatmeal and you're like, well, you didn't know this, but just because you didn't get enough sleep, you don't metabolize that oatmeal as well. All right, so key factors, key findings, really important also helps you make key decisions as well so really stoked to get this one out to you guys um i think it was a really really cool study there's gonna be more from zoe specifically but as we at the epic table continue to find resources to help you guys improve your performance i was really happy to talk about this one because it's super in line with what we're about so if you have any questions on this one feel free to reach out to me I'm really interested to continue hearing about your sleep experiences that you guys are having now that we're focusing more on it I know personally with me, um, I've changed my routine a number of times in the past year and a half just to accommodate new things, new uh, factors in my life. But one thing's for sure, I'm going to make sure that I continue to get quality sleep and that uh, in the morning I'm making sure my glucose metabolism is efficient because otherwise... uh, 
This study would be for, for no reason. <laughs> so thank you, Professor Paul Franks. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Epic Table, a unique one, and look forward to bringing someone special on next week. As always, team, if this is your first time listening to The Epic Table, hit that subscribe button, and everyone have an awesome day. I'm off to go do some epic tasty recipes for you guys to all enjoy. Check you out.